Our next scripture reading comes from the gospel. I'll be reading from John's gospel, the 20th chapter, verses 19 through 31. This is a continuation, if you will, from our Easter Sunday morning scripture passage. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with him when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet who have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in His name. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Last Sunday, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Day, uh, I talked to you a little bit about surprises and, and how we are kind of uh, people who, who experience surprises regularly. It's just part of us that, that things uh, come from nowhere, they, uh, they, they rattle our emotions often, they inspire us, they do these things, uh, and so surprises uh, should be expected even though we may not know the details. I got a surprise this week with a hospital bill that was close to $65,000. And I was very thankful that insurance uh, stepped in to take care of most of that. Two days in the hospital with the surgery, and I haven't even got the surgeon's bill yet. So I was surprised. Uh, certainly, uh, this story that I read to you this morning uh, is a story of surprises. On that very day... When Mary, remember Mary last week, how she had been the first one to go to the tomb? We talked about, you know, we don't know, according to John's uh, uh, telling of the story, Mary goes by herself. We don't know how she thought she might be the one able to roll the, the stone away because she was by herself, according to John. Uh, we don't know what Mary's intent was uh, to go there. Maybe it was simply to pray outside of the tomb. But, but Mary becomes that first witness to the resurrected Christ. She, she goes back to where the other disciples are and Peter and John run to the tomb and, and they have this differing kinds of experiences and, and they leave the, the empty tomb differently from one another. And, and even Mary who stays 
finds herself in the presence of, of, of Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, whom she initially thinks is the gardener, the one perhaps who might have taken Jesus' body away, but, but she realizes it's Jesus himself. And so she goes back and she's the one who testifies to seeing the risen Lord. Well, that very evening, as the story continues, the disciples, obviously scared, worried about their own uh, situation, they've locked the door in this place that we consider to be the upper room, the, this place where maybe the, uh, that first or, or the last supper, if you will, the, the first uh, time that Jesus celebrates a new covenant with the disciples. They're back in this room, the doors are locked, and Jesus now appears in their room. He, he passes through the, the doors, through the walls of this place where the disciples are, are, are experiencing great fear, uh, and he's present with them. And the words he gives them are words that he had shared with them before he was ever executed. And it, the, the words were words of peace and greeting, and he, and he reminded them of the things that he had told them to do, to, to go into the world uh, to, to be this blessing for other people, to go and to, to share in their testimony, their witness that, that the world's powers can't hold Jesus back, that, that even death itself is not the end of the story. And so the disciples get to experience Jesus and seeing his wounds, but apparently uh, at least Thomas, the twin, Didymus in the Greek, uh, the one who we call the doubter, the one who will question, was not present that first Sunday evening when Jesus makes that resurrection appearance to them. He's somewhere else. At least Thomas is. We don't know if any of the other disciples. It says the other disciples were there, but, uh, but Thomas is not. And he tells them, is, is the, uh, the, those first uh, witnesses now to Jesus' resurrection following Mary, they're, they're getting excited, I think. They're still in the locked room. But at least now they have seen something to give uh, this whole notion of resurrection some, some credibility some energy, and, and, and they share their witness with Thomas. And Thomas, like other the disciples, Peter, and even John and James perhaps, some of those other disciples that we get to experience our own faith uh, experiences through and seeing their, their responses, Thomas says, uh-uh. Unless he comes back, unless I get to, uh, to see him for myself, unless I actually get to touch those wounds... I'm not going to believe. Just can't do it. And so a week later, the next Sunday, here the disciples are, and Thomas is with them this time. He's in the room, the locked room with them, and Jesus comes in, and this time Jesus, again with those words of peace, powerful words that God wants us to hear, my peace. We find words of peace in other parts of the Bible. You know, Jesus gives God's peace. The world can't give God's peace unless the world knows Jesus. And as the world continues to, to reject or uh, discount uh, or, or, or not even consider, they can't be words of peace as Jesus brings them. But Jesus shares words of peace again. And this time, he confronts Thomas. And he says, go ahead and put your, your, your fingers in these holes. Go ahead and, and touch my side. We don't know if Thomas did or not, but at least Jesus offered. Do you remember last week when Jesus tells Mary, don't touch me? Don't touch me. He says, I, I have not yet ascended. But now a week later, seven days later, Jesus is offering Thomas the opportunity to physically touch him. 
Many say this is a time to, uh, to kind of confirm that in, the, in the, that first Sunday to the next Sunday, Jesus had ascended and was now back in the world to glorify God. He's gone, he's ascended to be with the Father, but now he's present to bring this powerful, life-changing presence to God. And so Jesus offers them words of encouragement. He actually breathes on the disciples and speaks in terms of the Holy Spirit coming upon them. Now, John is pretty clear uh, is, uh, about the power of the Spirit, and so we don't have Pentecostal presence yet of the Holy Spirit, but we have Jesus bringing the power of the Holy Spirit to give these fear-filled disciples some comfort and peace of mind to begin to consider what Jesus had already done with them, the the teachings, the miracles, the life-changing experiences, to give those disciples this kind of reminder that this is what faith and discipleship are about, to share with other people. So in the next couple of minutes, I want to talk in a couple of more specific areas. We're going to talk a little bit about doubts, and, and, and Thomas lives this for us in the Scripture. Uh, we all have concerns and reservations throughout life, Sometimes we question what God you know, wants us to do or, or, or are we responding faithfully, O oh God, as, as we seek out this deeper relationship with you. So that's one of the things that we'll live through uh, uh, in a sense through Thomas. But there's this other part about Jesus saying, now go, <laughs> go into the world. And, and in verse uh, 31, we actually uh, hear John telling us uh, to, uh, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in His name. So that's the other kind of uh, focus area I want us to, to consider. I, when we talk about our own fears, I'm reminded of a, uh, of a story about a couple of young people that were in love with one another. His name was Charlie, her name was Ava. Uh, they had been dating for uh, quite some time, and, and Charlie had not yet convinced Ava to marry him. She said she loved him, she would go out with him regularly. They, they seemed to have a, a blossoming relationship, but she had not yet said yes uh, to his attempts uh, at marriage. And so Charlie came up with an idea. He actually invited Ava out to lunch. Uh, and, he, and he picked Ava up. What he didn't tell her is where the lunch was going to take place. Charlie had arranged... Uh, has anybody been to the Coliseum in Los Angeles, Los Angeles Coliseum? probably one of the largest sporting venues on the West Coast. The stadium, the Coliseum, holds 100,000 people. Out on the 50-yard line was a table set with, with white tablecloths, uh, silver, china. Uh, there was a maitre d' that welcomed them to the, to the Coliseum and took them to their table on the 50-yard line. And there was a, a waiter standing behind each of their chairs, and, and they dined on caviar and drank champagne and, and had soufflés there on the 50-yard line. And at a predetermined moment, Ava was facing one of the scoreboards, and the scoreboard lit up and said, Darling Ava, will you marry me? Well, of course she said yes. Who wouldn't? You know, after that kind of, a, uh, of an encounter with somebody who claims to love you. And I thought of that story and I thought, well, how many of us wonder why God won't do that for us? You know, God, what do you want me to do? You know, turn on the, the end zone scoreboard. Put it on my TV screen. 
leave a note on my pillow. We, we, we kind of process through that and kind of ask ourselves, well, God... So, friends, I think what God wants is disciples. God wants us to faithfully follow where God is showing us, where God is leading us. And we spend a lot of time in fear or making excuses. Well, God hasn't told me what God wants me to do. And so we kind of don't get a lot of traction. We, maybe we spin our tires. I think God wants us to mature, if you will, as disciples. We start off as, as babes, as, as, as little ones, uh, drinking spiritual milk that God provides us, giving us those little uh, beginning meals to, to nurture us, to encourage us. But God doesn't want us to stay there. God wants us to trust, to have faith, to, to move deeper into a relationship where, where you take on more mature nourishment. You know, the vision statement here at this church uh, sums up with learning, growing, giving, serving. We, we acknowledge that we have this need to learn more about God. But it doesn't just stop with learning. To learn should connect with people desiring to grow in their spirituality, to grow in your discipleship, to, to begin to trust even more, to take on more, so that three and four, being giving and serving, are the resulting kinds of things that come from that Christian growth. Think about it as a parent. If you constantly just give, give, give to your child, do they ever grow up? Or, or are they going to be reliant upon you for the rest of your life? So I think God, uh, God who is so many things, but God is also our divine parent, wants us to grow up, wants us to, to trust even more. And so Thomas kind of takes on this, this place in life for us, and he says, you know, I'm not ready to, to grow <laughs> until I, I see something. And so, friends, when we come to a worship experience, when we have a Bible, when we have small group opportunities, we can be like Thomas and say, well, I'm not going to believe if Jesus doesn't turn on the scoreboard for me where I can see it's His message or leave me that note. If we don't trust and have a little bit of faith, it's going to be comfortable for me just to stay where I am. And I'll believe that Jesus is Lord, but I don't act like it so much because I haven't trusted. I haven't allowed myself to move closer to this God who wants us to feel the power of God's transforming love. I'll just stay where I am. It's just more comfortable that way. So maybe that's why we don't get those scoreboard messages. Maybe that's why we're encouraged to pray, to read Scripture, to open our hearts, to open our minds, to listen, to to perhaps see the wounds of the world. You know, I know people that left their homes these past few months and have traveled down to the Texas border to see the wounds, to see people who are seeking hope in life, whether it be because their hometowns in Central America are, are rife with gangs, people who threaten their very way of life, whatever it might be, seeking a a more stable job, whatever it is, I know people like you and I that have traveled to the border and have come away saying, I've seen the wounds of Jesus. Some of you work in the schools and regularly you encounter the wounds of Jesus with children who can't read, who don't have a, a, a loving presence in their home. You see, when we see the wounds of Jesus or allow ourselves that experience 
I think we have this great opportunity to do to Thomas, do as Thomas, not to Thomas, but do as Thomas did, to say, my Lord and my God. But if we stay in our places of comfort and just say, I'm just going to believe, that's the easy way out, we miss out on so much. Brendan Manning tells a story that comes uh, uh, from a book called Ruthless Trust. It's the story of John Cavanaugh. John Cavanaugh was looking for meaning in his life, and he thought, what better place than to go and spend some time with Mother Teresa in Calcutta? John Cavanaugh goes to the, to the house of the dying. That's where Mother Teresa was at that time in her ministry, a place where people basically came to find comfort as they, as they died from disease and uh, things that were just ending people's life. And, and, and John Cavanaugh asked Mother Teresa the first day he met with her, he goes, please pray for me. And she said, what would you like me to pray for? And he said, I need clarity. I need clarity in my life. I need to know what God wants me to do. And Mother Teresa told John Cavanaugh, he, he, she says, That's, you, you don't need clarity. You have clarity. What you need is trust. You need to believe that God is already touching you and listen pray, consider where God might be leading you. She said, that's what I have is trust. That's how I get up and, and serve these people who are filthy and dying every day. And friends, I think we just are people who so often lack that kind of trust. There's a story about Pope John Paul before he was ever Pope many years. In 1945, just after the World War, uh, Second World War had ended, uh, uh, the future Pope encountered a Russian soldier and this Russian soldier was sharing with uh, this, this priest, this Catholic priest, who uh, 30 years later would actually be Pope John Paul. And he said, you know, I, my country is an atheist country. We, we don't get to talk about God, but I believe in God. I believe in God. I don't know about God, but I believe that a God exists. And I want to go to seminary, he told the future Pope. And the Pope says, continue to believe and knowledge can be found. You can find knowledge. You can read Scripture. You can study Scripture. You can go to Sunday school to worship. Friends, that's important for us. So if you're one of those disciples who believes but lacks that knowledge, find, find a place to grow in your knowledge so that your faith can in turn be a blessing not only to God but to others. I think that's that part that Jesus was talking about uh, uh, when he was speaking with them there and, and, and he told them, uh, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. We have to know about our God because if this great uh, uh, power has been given to us to either forgive sins or retain sins, I want to make sure I'm getting it right. I want to make sure I'm knowing more about God regularly. But I also want to know how God wants me to be a blessing to this world. And as Thomas confessed his faith, as, as Jesus departs from them to go and make other resurrection appearances, I believe Thomas was transformed in that experience as he made that confession of his faith. My Lord and my God. And, and that story, that powerful story of Thomas's transformation, that Thomas who represents us so many times in our life, do you know that was also a political statement that Thomas made? Because you see, the Roman emperor Domitian had proclaimed that he was the only God. And that he was Lord, as a matter of fact, when Domitian's name was used, it was supposed to be used with added words. 
Domitian, our Lord and God. And so when Thomas makes this confession to say that, that the God of salvation, the one who authors life, the one who redeems us, the one who sustains us, when he is God, that means Domitian is not God. And so we can see that in political terms as well. Political parties shouldn't hold our faith. We shouldn't sustain our beliefs except through the grace of God. The God who calls us to be people of peace. The God who calls us to forgive sins. The God who calls us to be a blessing to others. So this morning we have the opportunity to come to the Lord's table to, to see the body, to see the cup the body that we share with one another, the blood that reminds us that our sins are only forgiven by the grace of God, and to be people who are being transformed, to be people of grace in this world, to share God's blessing, not just with those who come into our midst, but to seek actively to go out into the world and to be that blessing. Life happens when we believe Life happens abundantly when our lives are changed by that grace so that we can be faithful, not just one day a week when we gather behind closed doors, but every day, every moment of our lives, we can feel God's blessing and find ways to share that with others. In the name of the Father, and in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen.